I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources. I'm your guest host, Lee Lonsberry. I am uh, excited for this next topic we're about to cover. It's an important one, and it's a fascinating one. You uh, certainly are well aware, the past few days as you've switched on the radio, we've been talking about some wildfires that have struck us in the area. Uh, it was the Green Ravine fire, the, uh, the, the, the fire from the previous day, uh, and, and it's a scary thing. We learn terms about uh, zero, we hear zero percent containment, uh, and we, we hear about threatened structures and evacuation orders and uh, the hotshot crew, and it's, uh, fire's a scary thing. It's certainly a very useful thing, uh, but it uh, has gotten our attention over recent days as uh, some of that fire has gotten a little out of control. We welcome in the studio today uh, Dr. Thomas Fletcher is the department chair uh, at Brigham Young University, uh, the department chair of chemical engineering. Uh, he and his team have engaged in some study which uh, claims to, to have a better ability to predict how fire may behave. Mr. Fletcher, sir, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to be here. Did I characterize that well? You you, you study fire. We That's study accurate. fire. Yeah. I don't know if we're able to predict it better yet, but we're certainly okay. studying it. Yes. What? Uh, why Why are we paying attention to you? Why have you been making headlines lately? <laughs> well, uh, we've recently been able to get some results on the chemistry of fire. So uh, models in the past have made some assumptions that were very crude about what uh, comes off of the uh, live vegetation, what species of chemicals come off in the in the fire, and then they that's what burns in the flames, right? But these were very crude assumptions and not very good, but we didn't know what those species were. So we've been doing experiments to study exactly what those species are for different kinds of plants, especially uh, it's been funded by the Department of Defense and for plants in the southeast. So you go, There's no fires in the southeast, but they yeah. actually do prescribed fires. They burn plants on purpose underneath the, the trees on military bases, for instance, and they burned 6 million acres last year, which is a lot, right? And they do that in the name of science, and they're, they're studying no, the, the they're way they're burning that... it to, if there is an accidental fire, they keep the underbrush low enough by burning it every three to four years, and then the fires don't get big enough to get up into the tops of the trees and burn down the forest. They preserve the forest. It's good for the ecology. It's good for the... Uh, the woodpecker that lives there is an mm-hmm. endangered species of all things. All and, right. uh, they, uh, but they don't always get it right. They have certain things that they say it has to be a certain wind speed, a certain temperature, certain humidity. But if even if they do that, sometimes the fire gets out of control or doesn't even light. And so they said, let's do more science. So I'm doing more science. What, uh, what from your studies would, would help us in the, the, in the face of, of the fires of recent days? How would you? How would your findings apply and uh, maybe make safer the situation for folks here as as we face wildfires? We are aiming. We're not there yet to develop a model that might be useful to a fire manager that has to be accurate enough for them to believe it and also run fast enough for them 
to to be useful. If we do a very sophisticated model, there's there's people that do this. It might take two weeks to run on a supercomputer. Well, yeah. that doesn't help a fire manager. If we run some of the simpler models, especially in the fires that contain shrubs, yeah. uh, they aren't that accurate. So uh, we're trying to help develop this kind of intermediate scale model that would help them. As as you run these models, what uh, what's the output? What are we what are we learning from from the data plugged into oh, these? Oh sure. Wow. So. Um, if we can give the an estimate of where the fire is now, put in the topography and the wind and the fire model, then we can kind of predict where it's going and uh, be able to say, if we fight it this way, uh, we have a better chance of um, doing whatever the goal is, if it's to save a house or to keep it from spreading to the next fire. Or maybe for prescribed fires, let's do these fires knowing that it's not going to get out of control. You mentioned earlier that your studies are federally funded. What's the mandate? What do they ask you to accomplish? Um, for this particular process, that they wanted to drill down deep in the science and say, what are, we call it pyrolysis, what are the pyrolysis products? So pyrolysis is when... Uh, the leaf first starts heating up, and it gives off the gases. That process is called pyrolysis. What are those species, and how much energy content do they have, which governs how hot the fire is going to be, basically. So they wanted to learn more about that for different species. It turns out that we've studied 14 species, and they vary quite drastically. So if it's in, um, I don't know if you know the names of the species. It doesn't matter too much right here. I but, don't. I have yeah, no idea. Right. But, uh, you know, if it's in a certain type of vegetation, it will burn faster. And if it's in another one, maybe they can take different kinds of measures. I, I have a cheat sheet here. I think we're talking about the inkberry, the yeah. wax myrtle, the fetter bush, the dwarf palmetto, and the sparkleberry. Those are some of them. Yes, that's right. That's and the, I pronounced them all right, The too. palmettos kind of look like mini palm trees yeah. that are just down bushes on the tree, and they burn way differently than, say, the inkberry, which is very small leaves and stuff. You've been engaged in this type of study for about 12 years, you told me? Yeah, something like that. And you had a, you had a story? Uh, yeah. To, to... So we were studying uh, coal combustion research and do it for power, and a former graduate student that works for the Forest Service put me in touch with another person in Riverside, and they they had some money that they needed to start some more fundamental research, and they came and said, what can you do? And so we told our students, hey, what, what do you think we should do? So we got a little uh, heat source, which was how we call it a flat flame burner, and put a leaf over it and measured the, the height of the flame from individual leaf. And now we're trying to use those kind of data. We did something like 3,500 experiments on in types of leaves in the West, like in Utah or in the California Chaparral. And now we're trying to piece together a model, an intermediate scale model that can use those data to help the, the fire managers. Outstanding. Well, I'm grateful to you. And if this is going to help keep people safe, it's, if it's going to help uh, people's homes stay safe, and it's going to help if it's going to help these fire managers uh, do a better job of protecting uh, the fields and the families, then that's a, that's a good thing. And the work you're up to is noble stuff. I'm grateful to you for doing this type of work. It's good to good to be doing that. I imagine it can be it can be pretty tedious someday. You, know, you deal with a lot of data. You deal with a lot of uh, Excel spreadsheets and a lot of charts and findings. We were doing a lot of stuff by eyeball, but we found a way to computerize it, and so we do a lot of image analysis on the computer, 
and that takes a lot of the tedium out of it. And the students have got pretty good at programming, so it's it's been a nice thing for their education. Well, very good. Well, pass please uh, uh, our thanks along to the department for this type of research. We look forward to it uh, making things better for us and making the fighting of fires an easier task for the managers. Thank you very much. Dr. Fletcher, thank you so much. Uh, we have a number of things on the agenda still uh, today. Later on, we're going to talk uh, to uh, an ABC News uh, reporter who is on the ground in North Carolina, keeping his eye on the latest with Hurricane Dorian. I'll give you some of those updates now. There have been more than 240,000 homes and businesses impacted, many of those without power all across the Carolinas. Uh, the hurricane now in Category 2 status is still contributing to, to large sol- surges. Uh, Coastal Carolina could see up to 15 inches of additional rainfall. And unfortunately, as we uh, sadly predicted, the death toll in the Bahamas has risen. Day one, it was five. Then it was seven. And today, the unfortunate reality is that we're aware now of 20 fatalities as a result of Hurricane Dorian's uh, parking itself right on top of the Bahamas. Uh, Prince Margaret's Hop- Princess Margaret Hospital in Nassau, the capital of the Bahamas, is now the only hospital capable of treating the most seriously injured uh, from across uh, the 700-plus islands and keys. So we're going to get an update later on uh, to that effect. We're also, in the next segment, we're going to speak with uh, Salt Lake County Mayor candidate Aaron Mendenhall. Uh, In in disclosure, uh, we did also reach out to uh, her opponent, and uh, we will be speaking to to, to Luce uh, next week. But in the segment following, we're going to speak with Erin Mendenhall. We're going to ask her how the campaign is going. Uh, We're also going to ask her specifically about uh, clean air. The, the the fires, I'm sure as you drove around yesterday, especially uh, the fire in the Tooele area, you saw a lot of smoke. The, 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 the color up in the sky wasn't all just from the clouds. There was a lot of soot and, and, and smoke up there. And we're going to ask her what, uh, what she knows about that, how it could be impacting us, and if there's anything we can do about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to that conversation. And then further on down the line, we're going to speak with uh, Representative Chris Stewart. He's going to be here in studio. He's going to tell us about an effort of his to alleviate the stresses uh, of suicide and uh, provide resources to those who are contemplating such a a tragic act. And we'll be grateful to have uh, that conversation. Uh, Please stick around. Next up, candidate Aaron Mendenhall. I'm Lee Lonsberry filling in here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.